Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we are serving up bottomless, brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. We're your hosts, Rachel and Tegan, and on the menu today is part two to phrases we should stop slash start using. So the last episode, we actually went through 10 phrases to remove from our vocabulary. This time we thought, let's do part two. What are things we should start saying? And this is at work, a lot of it, but also otherwise in other, in other contexts as well. But before we get into it, we just want to say a massive thank you for being here, listening to us today. It's so happy when people listen and send us their feedback. And on that note, we'd love it if you could give us a follow on um, Instagram or TikTok where thebrunchfiles.podcast on both of those platforms. And whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, if you could leave us a either a star review or a rating, that would be amazing. It really helps us out. So let's get into it. Um, we sort of thought about what are some things that we need to become more comfortable saying, things that we struggle to say uh, and they sort of go hand in hand with the things we are working on not saying. Mm-hmm. So things like sorry and I just and all the phrases we went um, into in the last episode. So if um, if you're just coming in um, in this episode, do recommend you probably start with that episode. Um, if, if you feel like it, it's probably uh, – leads in nicely hopefully to this one but really by not using these phrases that we're about to go through so we've got 10 phrases we're going to go through today um, we're lowering our own expectations of what we can achieve and and what value that we can bring yeah language is such a powerful thing Mm. and um there's a lot of obstacles, you know, we're, often, we're coming at this predominantly from a bit of a work context and a career sort of perspective. Um, but there are a lot of obstacles that women face in the workforce. And I think these sorts of phrases, or particularly the ones we spoke about stop to stop using, we sort of use as a bit of a defence mechanism mm. because we don't want to be uh, appear sort of be abrupt or abrasive or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, we want to be liked. We want to be likeable. Yeah. Exactly. But as you said, by flipping it and using these sort of, they're they're definitely much more firm, they're a little bit stronger, they're much more confident, um, can really change the way that other people perceive us. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is really interesting. So when we were preparing for these episodes, we were having a chat about why is it that Mm. as women, particularly, not to say it's just women, but probably I think a lot of us would identify with this as women that we tend to default to these phrases but sort of why is that and it's actually sort of really deeply rooted I think in a bit of psychology a little bit of of history um, as well and I think it just sort of shows that while the feminist movement has sort of come a really long way we do still live in a sort of predominantly patriarchal society Mm -hmm. and rightly or wrongly that does impact on us from a career perspective. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it's sort of that whole thing around when a man is successful, he's well liked. Mm. But when a woman is successful, people like her less, which is, I mean, that's, it's a generalization in that don't take this as if you're a man listening to be like, well, that's not, you know, my reality. And I would never um, like a woman less of being successful. Um, but this can happen. And um, actually, you read a really interesting book, which I really want to read. So it's Cheryl Sandberg, who um, is a technology exec philanthropist. She served as um, chief operating officer at Facebook or now known as Meta. Um, And her book is Lean In, Women, Work and the Will to Lead. And there was a really interesting um, story that is in that book, which I think maybe maybe share that with us, Tegan. Mm. Yeah. So the book, I think, is about 10 years old now. Um, and it's sort of a hallmark of those, one of those uh, very well-known career books. Um, and it definitely does sort of look at career 
from that feminist lens and uh, kind of it was all about the sort of the, gla- the glass ceiling mm. and um, just some of the obstacles and things that women face um, in their careers but also trying to balance their careers with home life and, you know, all of the other demands that are on their time. But, yeah, on that piece around being liked, there was a really, really interesting uh, case study and I'm just going to read from, from this article. But um, it's called, the, in the book, it's called the Howard slash Heidi study. And essentially what it is is two professors wrote up a case study about a real-life entrepreneur named Hailey Rosen describing how she became a successful venture capitalist by relying on her outgoing personality and huge uh, personal and professional network. The professors had a group of students read Rosen's story with her real name and another group read the story with the name changed to Howard. The students then had to rate Howard and Heidi on their accomplishments and on how appealing they seemed as colleagues. While the students rated them equally in terms of success, they thought Howard was likeable while Heidi seemed selfish and not the type of person you'd want to hire or work for. And Sandberg's conclusion in the book was that when a man is successful, he is well-liked, and when a woman is successful, people like her less. Mm, Wow. (laughs) That's pretty upsetting, isn't it? Yeah, and this is a real study, so it's not something she's made up for the book. Like It's a real documented um, study. And she sort of talks about how this presents a real conundrum for women because inherently we want to be liked. Mm -hmm. Um, We also want to be successful. (laughs) Yeah, but it also presents that if our success – is going to mean that we're liked less. Do we hold ourselves back? Exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's kick it off. Ten things that we should be adding to our vocabulary. And look, we're talking about it from the perspective um, of women, but um, that's not to say that anyone can't hopefully get something out of this and start using some of these terms. Okay. So number one is you interrupted me, I wasn't finished speaking, or I have more thoughts to share. Have you ever said that in a work meeting? Never. You interrupted me? Never. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> I might have said it once to someone who it was uh, maybe the meeting had gone on for a really long time and they kept jumping in and I did. I think I do remember myself saying, if you let me finish, mm. I was going to get to that. Love that. But it was another. It was with another woman and she would have been, she's you know, the same level as me or maybe a little bit more junior than I am. Mm-hmm. So I think it was very much in that sort of peer-to-peer situation yeah, and perhaps easier to say that to someone who's beneath you or at least level with you than someone yeah. that's your superior and again it was I was kind of at the end of my tether because the meeting had gone on for quite a while yes. and it was you know towards the end and it happened a number of times I think yeah. if it was just once or twice I probably wouldn't have the confidence to say it if it happens again and again though actually I did um pull up a male colleague once we had morning stand-ups each day at work and um I was going through like what was in the news and just like little press update and we sort of would take it in turns to do that um and I went through it and then he clearly hadn't really been listening and he then um basically updated the group on the same like five of the same things I'd already said mm. and I stood there like flabbergasted I was like and I'm like is anyone else noticing this or are they not listening to me either mm. and I actually approached him afterwards and I said you realize you just went through the exact same list that I gave and he was horrified and apologetic and lovely and took it really well but I was like, damn it, I'm going to say something. Mm, and I, good ima- on you. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times I probably let that slide. But I was like, no, that's actually ridiculous and it's blatant. And it's like, I feel like is what I'm saying not a value, you know, that you're not listening and maybe others aren't either because no one else pulled you up on it. Um, yep. But it takes a bit of guts, I think, to to say it. It can be really mm-hmm. tricky. And it's not a phrase that we use often. I mean, a perfect example is that was Kamala Harris actually said this to Mike 
Pence during one of the vice presidential debates for the last US election when they were in the middle of the debate and he tried to cut her off and she said, excuse me, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, but I wasn't finished speaking. Mm. And it literally went viral on Twitter. And I think that just goes to show. Is that unusual? That's what I mean. (laughs) If it wasn't, so incredible. And I mean, also she's a woman of colour, so I think there's another Mm. layer there and in American politics, Mm. which, you know, it's a whole other kettle of fish. But I think that wouldn't be a viral moment if it was something that was just women had confidence to say. Yeah, that we said that more often. Mm. We've all been there though, you know, you finally work up the courage to share your perspective and before you can even finish your thoughts, a co-worker interrupts. And sometimes it's with a question that you're about to get to, you know, mm. like how annoying is it when uh, you get interrupted, you don't get to finish your thought, but they've actually just asked a question you're literally about to answer. Mm. And we should say as well, I know we've said a couple of examples here with males, but it also can happen with women oh, are just totally, as, guilty, yeah. as guilty of this as, mm-hmm. you know, as men. Um, but the alternative to saying you interrupted me is to just keep talking. Oh. You know, the person who is interrupting you will stop eventually and it might feel really uncomfortable, but you deserve and need to be heard just as much as anyone else in the room. You, you're already speaking. You've got the floor. So why should you stop just because someone else has cut in? Mm. And, I mean, that makes me feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? Like even the thought of doing that where you're like, who's going to stop? speaking first and, and as you were saying before you kind of end up in this game Ooh, of sort of chicken, chicken. <laughs> it's like who's gonna but you know what I've had people do that to me and they railroad mm-hmm. over the top of you so it's like I don't know maybe I need to try that next time it does as well I think make it look worse for the person who's interjecting you because by you mm. keeping on speaking you're showing that without saying it in so many words your demeanor and the, the way you're persisting is showing that you're finding it frustrating yeah, and it's true. inappropriate that they're cutting in on cutting in on you and you're continuing to prove your point or deliver mm. your point um so yeah I don't think that in that situation it's going to look badly on bad on you it'll actually probably look worse on the person who's trying to interrupt you yeah that's true that's true um and I think it's like feel the fear which I'm feeling even thinking about doing that and do it anyway you know like when we're uncomfortable that's when we grow and it's not about being rude and talking over top of someone you were actually already it's when you're already talking and someone tries to yeah exactly absolutely it's you're not just interjecting yeah, and I think it's okay to say I wasn't finished speaking, Mark, or whatever your name is. Yeah. <laughs> um, like or Leanne. Leanne and keep <laughs> Karen, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And just to keep talking. Um, I think like there's things like you could say, thank you for your input, but I'd like to finish where I left off before we move on further. And I think that's, that's really a good powerful. compromise if you've chosen not to, in- keep, not to talking keep talking and you- you're letting them talk, but then you're subtly kind of saying, hang on, I wasn't finished. I'm continuing my point, but it's a little bit more subtle. Yeah, but I think I it suppose. also makes the point to the rest of the room or the rest of the meeting as well, doesn't it? Thank you for your input, but I'd like to finish where I left off before we move on further. You know, it's ensuring your ideas are heard, that you have a well-deserved seat at the table. Um, it's challenging, but it's important, isn't it, that yeah. we do this? All of these things are challenging. Don't be a doormat, yeah. Rachel. I'm talking to myself here as much <laughs> as anyone else. <laughs> But I think it goes back to that story at the start of the episode that we shared, you know, that it, it is documented. There's good evidence to say that when women are more su- are successful, people like them less. And so it, it's not no surprise that it sort of manifests through our language a little bit. Um, that we struggle with it. And that we struggle with it. Yeah. And that's not, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't know. be an either or though, should it? No. We should be able to be liked and be um, assertive and successful. I think that's yeah. the, we shouldn't have to grapple with that. Exactly. And none of these things are rude. They're not rude. They're not abrasive. They might be They might be f- firm mm. and they might be strong statements and they might be confident. But in no point are you being rude. Are you being, are you being you know, diminishing someone else's credibility mm-hmm. or 
it's it's not personal. No, that's true. Uh, number two, thanks for your patience. And I think this is more of a replacement statement. Mm. So instead of I'm sorry, it's kind of the antidote to sorry, isn't it? Mm. You know, no matter the circumstances, using the phrase thanks for your patience is sort of a great way to remove the self-penalisation of a late response um, or even if it's not late because, as we know, we say sorry when something isn't even mm. late. Um, an easy quick stop – uh, sorry, easy quick swap for, you know, sorry for the delay, that note we've all sent. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really – like you said, it's a really simple swap and we sort of touched on this a little bit, I think, in our previous episodes. We don't need to sort of park on this point for too long. But, yeah, I think that sorry for the delay – Thanks for your patience is just a really nice way. Similar thing as well, if you're running late for a meeting because you had another meeting that was running over, I mean, maybe in some circumstances, if you're 15 minutes late to a 30 minute meeting, it warrants a sorry, (laughs) but you couldn't just say, thanks so much for your patience, guys. I was just finishing up something and it ran over a little bit. Yeah. Which is perfectly acceptable. It's polite. It's still a lovely thing to say. You're still achieving the the desired Mm -hmm. outcome of I'm sorry without Mm -hmm. apologizing for something that's actually not your fault. Mm -hmm. And again... Do apologise when it's your fault. We're not saying that. <laughs> We're saying don't use it when you don't need to use it. Yeah, humility and being humble is mm. as, you know is just as valuable. Yeah. Um, but you, it's about I think just being a little bit measured on when it is that we use that and just making that assessment on when the situation warrants it. Yeah, that's it. Number three is a good one. Do you want to share number three, Tegan? Yeah. So number three is I appreciate your feedback and I'll consider it. <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? Is. it? I, my immediate reaction when I receive feedback is to look at what it was that I said or what I've shared previously and immediately try to implement it, yes, whether or not I agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. And It's assuming that whatever they have to say is more correct, more valid um, than, than you mm-hmm. and where you sort of have landed on something mm-hmm. instead of taking pause to to think critically about what they've said, think about why you landed where you landed mm-hmm. and then decide, okay, I can take bits and pieces for sure. Mm-hmm. It also buys you some time. Appreciate your feedback. I'll consider it instead mm-hmm. of, oh, thank you so much. I'll fix that right away. Yep. <laughs> you know? Unless you know it's something that's a glaring omission oh, that you've, yeah, yeah. you've missed or, you know. but it, And this is no way to diminish the value of feedback. We all know that feedback is so important and it helps us grow. Totally. And, you know, the most successful people in business, like women and men, you know, seek feedback, they consider it and they implement change when necessary. So it's so important for our, you know, personal and professional development. But that doesn't mean that all pieces of feedback are worthy of action. And sometimes we do need that time, as you Mm. said, to just digest, absorb the information that we've been given, consider it in the context and information that we have to hand, and then make an assessment on how we then proceed with that and way we, well, the ways that we might implement it. That's it. Something that comes to mind for me, we've both done media roles and, you know, as a media advisor or media manager, whatever your role is, you know, you get the news cycle, you understand journals, you know what they're looking for. Um, Often your job is to advise others within a workplace on what's going to get traction, what's not going to work, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. And you're the expert in that case. Mm -hmm. Often, you know, legal may weigh in or... Um, oh, the lawyers. Yeah. We do love lawyers. <laughs> we love but you, but you know, don't try and tell us how to do media. <laughs> We're going to push the boundaries more than you ever will. So yeah. no. Um, but it, you have other people weigh in and and make suggestions and provide feedback, and sometimes mm. an excessive amount of feedback. And I think holding strong to like to re- remember that in your area, you know, you're the subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. You reach that. Um, you, you've, you've drafted a certain way because you know that's the way it should be drafted. Mm. 
pushing back can be really tricky when you're getting all these different, you know, when someone jumps in a dock and everyone like, leave like a million comments and it's gone through seven levels of, um, of feedback and then you have all this stuff and it can be very easy to be a little bit overwhelmed mm-hmm. and be like, oh man, maybe I was off the mark or um, I think that's a case, that's sort of a, a, an example of when this phrase is really useful. You'll consider it and then you know what you'll go through and you'll you can if there's other subject matter experts that have said actually we should use this term or whatever mm-hmm. of course take that on board you know that's so important mm. make sure it's factual make sure there aren't any legal issues you know we, we do we love illegal <laughs> um, but then you should be able to say okay thank you for the feedback I've considered it I've landed here this is why mm-hmm. and then stand by that mm-hmm. and sometimes you do have to weather some pushback but I think it's owning that a little bit you know Mm -hmm. there's a reason you decided that so stick with it yep that's certainly a lesson I've had to learn Mm -hmm. about being that subject matter expert and it might be something that gets easier as you progress and we all get more experience and you know you get to a point where you've sort of dealt with similar situations before so you have a bit of a reference but it is important to remind yourself again as we've said a few times now that you were hired to do a job you have expertise that very likely in, in a lot of instances, especially in the work that we do, the people that are approving these things may not have, you know, they might be coming at it from a technical perspective or a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they have other skills that you don't have. Totally. But you have skills that they don't have. Yeah. And so it's about sort of finding that middle ground. And I suppose a good way to sort of test this could be similarly leaning back into what we said in um, this previous episode or part one of, of this around that whole idea of psychological safety mm. and that maybe using that statement, you know, uh, thank you for your feedback. I'll consider it in that consideration time that you've just bought yourself. If you if you really disagree with it, check that with someone that you trust. Yes. Check that with the manager. Check that with someone and say, this is what they've provided this. Mm-hmm. I really don't think we should be doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Do you see any issues with that? And they'll either come back and say yes or no, but then at least if you're struggling or you're just lacking a bit of confidence mm-hmm. to forcefully go back and say no, you also Sometimes know, having that backing. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, like, they, you also know they have your back, mm. which can be really important. And I have um, sort of tested this, tested something with my manager before, like, look, this is this is the feedback I'm getting. This is where I've landed on it. I'm planning on going back and saying this. Are you comfortable with that? Mm-hmm. And when your manager says 100%, I'll back you in, let me know if you need me to send an email, you know, then you're, it helps a lot, doesn't it? You get that reassurance. Yeah, and we don't always have that, but where you can and you have a trusted colleague, someone's opinion you trust, you know, sounding board goes a long way. 100%. I think actually leading on from that, this is probably a way to another. Like kind of part two. Yeah, to part two to part, that. And that is I don't see it this way or I don't see it that way and here is why. And so, yeah, you're getting that all that feedback. You've considered it and then, you know, you work out where you've landed mm. and then you can, you know, state your opinion especially when it's different to other viewpoints in the room or, you know, um, in your workplace. It can be really difficult. Oh, it can be so intimidating. It can be really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the f- and the fear can hold us, hold us back, I think, from, from sharing at times. But, you know, your opinion is as important and relevant as anyone else's and you deserve to share it. It's not rude to dis- disagree with what others are saying. I think that's probably something that oh, we can – we can be taught or um, can be a bit instilled in us, I think, mm. that it's rude to disagree. Um, but, you know, you don't have to apologise either for having a different opinion. Mm. Um, yeah, you have you, what you have to say is, is just as valid. So you can outline that. I don't see it that way and here is why. Mm. And then spell it out. How many times have you not shared your opinion 
because for that exact reason, it's intimidating, it's nerve wracking. And then a colleague to two like seats down from you says the exact Mm -hmm. offers the same feedback or advice that you were just thinking but you were too afraid to vocalize yeah you're like dang it should have just said it I should have just said it yeah and also we were worried about how that was going to be perceived but when that person says it we go oh great I'm glad someone thought about that (laughs) and often that might be the case everyone could be thinking a similar thing and sometimes you just need a bit of bravery in in sticking your hand up and saying it yeah it's like that old white was it is it white white chicks meme it's like you were thinking it yeah but you said it (laughs) (laughs) but you know and obviously when sharing your opinion it's essential to consider the timing and your justification to back up your argument and so I think that's where this statement it's not just saying I don't see it that way and disagreeing and being you know obnoxious it's saying here is why this is, these are my concerns. This is what I suggest. X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Moving on to number five is I'm proud of my efforts on this project or just the simple I'm proud of myself. Mm-hmm. And we do not give ourselves enough credit. And I think this is, this goes for everyone to a degree, mm-hmm. you know, in a world where we're taught to downplay our accomplishments and, you know, we, we avoid taking up too much space or we don't want to seem like that, you know, the teacher's pet or the brown noser. Like or, we're boasting. You know, we're boastful, you know, saying I'm proud of myself or, you know what, I actually did a really great job here mm-hmm. can feel sort of unnecessarily boastful. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But yeah. you have every right to celebrate your successes and achievements and being proud of yourself. It's an incredible feeling, um, but you don't have to celebrate that in silence. And I think, you know, this is sometimes just to a friend. Mm. I Like, we do that to each other. We're like, I did this today. Like, I'm really proud of myself. Or I found this really challenging, but I did it. Like, I'm excited. And then to have your friends celebrate that with you. Um, so, you know, it's not getting up in front of your whole workplace. I mean, like, I did this and I'm so proud. It could be just those little moments where you share it or with your partner or um, – but also – there's a place, I think, and uh, for sharing it with your manager. If, like we've spoken about in one of our previous episodes around passing on positive feedback to your manager because they're not going to know unless you pass it on. So if you get a really fantastic email outlining uh, well, that has some really, really good feedback, outlining some things you're really smashed, um, you can forward that on to them and just say, just letting you know this client's really happy um, with how we did this. I mean, it's obvious, you know, with what you did, but um, it's they're not going to know unless you send it to them. And also it reflects really well on them. They want their staff to be doing a good job too. So I think there's moments where you can own it in a workplace. 100%. You have to. Mm. It's all that idea around like managing up. I suppose it's a whole nother conversation and another another podcast topic. But, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to to say when we've done something and we've done a really good like we've done it well, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing it, maybe don't do it every single day because then <laughs> it might come across a little bit. That's just obnoxious. A little, yeah. But you know, for the most part, people are going to do this. You're going to do it in a measured way. You're going to do it in an appropriate way. You're not sending an all staff email about some piece <laughs> of feedback you receive from a stakeholder. You know, you're sending it to the people who know the context. And if you don't do it, how would they know? Yeah. And I think what you said earlier around sharing with friends and a partner, you know, it's even something that I struggled to say to my family or my mm-hmm. or to Sean or um, if I'm out with friends at yes. brunch to just say, you know what, if people say, how's work, you know, you could rather than saying, oh, it's just been so busy yeah. and I'm yep. tired and it's just been really stressful. You could say, actually, it's been really crazy busy, but I've had to deal with this really, um, you know, difficult situation or this challenging situation or this happened. And you know what, it was a real challenge, but I'm really proud of my, the, out of how I did and I've received some really really great feedback so while it's been you know exhausting it's also been really rewarding and I think just it's practice practice if we don't it's it's like um a muscle like using these phrases you know it's something we have to 
work on, get used to, get comfortable with, get stronger at doing, get better at doing. And unless we do it, it's going to feel super uncomfortable. Yep. And a lot of the time, the thought of it, we've even said this here, just sitting here thinking about some of them makes me feel a little bit ill. I could never say Uh, that. (laughs) But the thought of it is often worse than doing it. And I think as well, we should all just be taking the opportunity. I'm sure there's women in all of our respective workplaces, no matter what career or, you know, your vocation that you have, who are really good at this. Yeah. And there's no harm in sort of taking that sort of role model and, and finding someone as a bit of an example to go, or just taking stock when other people mm-hmm. do it and the response. Yep. Because nine times out of ten, the response is probably going to be favourable or neutral yeah. at, at, at worst. And those sorts of moments can then help us kind of, I guess, just do a little bit of research then when we're in a position where we're presented with the opportunity to use one of these phrases. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we've got some evidence to suggest that it's probably not going to be as bad as what we were anticipating. Yes, that's true. Number six this is one that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, like you were just saying, is I already know that. <laughs> I, I even I, – I get the sentiment. I'm, I, I – This one feels a little bit rude. phrasing <laughs> makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I, and um, I don't know. There'd only be certain circumstances where you would use that. Yeah, and maybe it's not I already know that. It, maybe it's, it's adapted a little bit on context. Mm. So, you know, I'm already familiar with X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a situation where someone's getting a bit mansplainy – um, and sort of, you know, that maybe that's something that you could do, but maybe it's something you adapt based a little bit on context because, yeah, I suppose in itself it feels a little a little yeah. harsh. But I think it's also important. Yeah, I I think I do this thing that I notice where I play dumb and because I, I don't want to offend and pretending you don't know something and that whatever someone's telling you is really interesting and brand new information mm. sometimes just feels easier. Mm. I mean, like, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've read that or I'm across that or um, – Yep, up to speed there. But it's also a waste of your time. Oh, it is, yeah. Because especially if it's in a meeting context or it's even a phone call or something for work and, you know, you, they've got a request or you've got an ask of them mm. and they're sitting here explaining, there's no harm in saying, I'm aware of the background. Yeah. And I, I'm probably guilty of sometimes going in straight to the point without the niceties. Like I do this mm. sometimes where I'll jump in and be like, oh, we need to do this, this and this. Um and realise I haven't been like, hi, how are you? Mm. Um, oh, me too, I do that sometimes. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, there's a, I mean, there's a there's a balance, I think. Um, but it, it's hard to, and, and you don't want to be rude. Like cutting someone off if they're trying to, you know, start from scratch and mm. explain it all and give all the context. It can be really frustrating. Yeah. Sometimes you want to just be like, yeah, no, we, we all know why we're here. Let's move on. Um, sometimes I find I'm the one giving the over too many details oh, as well. Yeah. So it's not just men. I know I said mansplaining, but it's not just men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but – what I'm trying to do a little bit is when I fall into that trap or I notice myself doing that, I just give people the opportunity to say, let me know if I'm telling you something that yes. you're already aware of or if, you've, or if you're already across this detail. Yeah, being aware of ourselves so we don't do it as well. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. I think this is a time waster. No one needs to spend time talking about things they already know when That's you want to get to the, what is it, the meat and potatoes of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, skip the soup. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold your analogy there. All right. Number seven is that isn't appropriate or that isn't funny or you're making me uncomfortable. And I suppose this kind of goes maybe on a more serious end mm. of some of what we've be- we've been discussing. And-, and we hope not so much in the workplace. Like you would hope you would not have to use those phrases in the workplace. Yeah. But reality is maybe you will. Yeah. I think there are lots of situations where people have had to use that. Thankfully, I've not ever found myself in a, in a, in a position where I felt that it was necessary to say mm. something like that. But I think that isn't funny 
you know, this this can often happen. Like I think I even know myself, I have the habit to be very, very sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> and I sometimes worry, I'm like, oh, did I ever do it there oh, a little too. bit? I'm always <laughs> like, thinking, oh, I hope that wasn't offensive what I just said. I'm not very politically Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Or even just, you know, with someone, you're kind of taking the mickey out of, you know, somebody said <gasps> yes. something and I can take it as well as I can give it. And some people do that. Mm. But you can but, think about it later and think, oh, my gosh, I hope I didn't offend them. Yeah. Um, but I think something like that isn't funny. This can be – it's also a bit like men pulling each other up on sexist jokes or mm-hmm. things like that. There, There's a place where we should all be able to say that's actually not funny, mm. you know, um, casual racism or sexism or things like that. You know, I think the onus is on all of us to to pull each other up. That's actually not a funny joke. Yeah. Um, if My mum always used to say, if everyone is not having fun, it is not fun. Yeah. And I like that one because it's so true. Yes. Um, but also you're making me uncomfortable or that is inappropriate. Um I think, again, it goes back to that not wanting to offend. Like it's, mm. it feels like it's going to be more uncomfortable to pull someone up and say that's not appropriate or you're making me uncomfortable than it does to just allow yourself to be uncomfortable, which is horrible. Mm. So I think practising those phrases so that you do feel like that's something you can just whip out mm. if you need to. And also not being afraid to vocalise if that's how we're feeling. Mm. I know sometimes our culture these days can make it people feel like, oh, everyone's offended at everything. Yeah. But you know what? If someone is saying something that you haven't found funny, you found it upsetting, it's made you uncomfortable, then you should we should have the confidence or we should have the ability to say that and people mm-hmm. should be receptive to that because the, the, the fact of the matter is – you know, some people might be doing it and it's totally intentional. Yeah. But some people might be doing it and they just don't realise. Until someone pulls them up. Until not someone pulls it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and they could actually be quite embarrassing for them or they might feel, you know, yeah. just be prepared, I suppose, for the response. But that's it also. And we don't want to embarrass someone. Mm. But we might be feeling embarrassed in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number eight is no. And that no is a complete sentence. Do you use no as a complete sentence ever? <laughs> No, maybe just then. <laughs> um, no, not normally. It's it feels I could never imagine someone. I could never imagine sending a text message or like having someone send me a text message, for example, and they say, "Hey, are you free tonight?" And I just say, "No." No, but would you say, "Sorry, can't." Uh, sorry, it's fine. Um, not available tonight, or tonight won't work for me. Yes, but would you say that without saying, "Oh, Sean and I are going out for dinner and we're using this voucher and I've got to go see my parents and drop this off at wherever?" Because I feel like I always want to explain, explain, explain why yeah. I can't do it just so they know it's legitimate and I'm not just blowing them off. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> I I think it depends on who. Yeah. Um I don't think I could ever go back and just say no. I I know I should. But, I mean, it's okay to be polite about it. No by itself. I feel like I would come back and say, no, tonight doesn't work for me, but I would never do that without offering another alternative. Yeah, same. In a way. So even if I'm not qualifying or giving the context for the reason as to why tonight doesn't work, I still feel that I would then be saying, but Shamari does, or I can do next Thursday or Saturday, (laughs) September first three years from now or whatever it is. Um, yeah, but it's difficult, but I do think it leans into what, like, it comes back to what you were saying before around, you know, if someone, if someone messages you or someone asks you to do something, I mean, it, I suppose it depends a little bit on context there. Cause sometimes yeah. you, we all have to do things you don't like. Yeah. Um, but the idea that, you know, if someone messages on a Friday night and you have nothing on and you just don't want to go out, yes. you can just say, no, I can't tonight, tonight. but what about yeah. next week? And that is fine. Just yeah. because you 
don't have any other plans doesn't mean you can't say no. I literally feel like explaining, oh, look, I'm really tired. It's been a big week. I have a headache. I, you know, sorry, but I'd, I'd rather not tonight, you know, mm. qualify, justify, explain away, always. Mm. Maybe no is when, no being a complete sentence, um, when it's fully acceptable just to say no, mm. rack off. It, I mm. mean, maybe that's when you're being pestered at a bar. Mm. Someone wants to buy you a drink or, of you know, course, those yeah. more... Or, awful situations where you know you want to be saying things like you're making me feel uncomfortable that's not appropriate no that's when it is a complete sentence and you don't need to qualify you don't need to justify you don't need to give a reason always yeah we should be comfortable and back ourselves into saying that when the you know when it's necessary absolutely but i think that qualify or clarify even if you just say no i can't tonight yeah that's still sort of in my view is it no is is a a no in a sentence you know because you're not giving the reasons why you're not you're not having feeling the need to justify why it is that you're saying no you're just saying no I can't yeah and following on from that number nine is I don't have capacity and that's probably a way of saying no in a complete sentence in the workplace Mm. when you're being asked something that um, you know there's a big difference between being a team player and being taken taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I think it's when it's recognizing that you're just taking on too much. Um, I'm all for you know not necessarily always sticking within. You know, it's not in my job description. I'm not going to help. I love mm. a, a like collaborative environment where everyone leans in. Mm. But sometimes you don't have capacity, and sometimes someone's trying to shove work off onto you, and it's not appropriate. And so being able to say no, I don't have capacity, mm-hmm. something we should practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was at my old workplace. Um, they did this whole program around how you could kind of say no um, and manage requests like this in a way that sort of, uh, I suppose, maintained or helped to progress those, like, our you know, work relationships. Mm. And so a way of saying, I don't have capacity, rather than just saying, I don't have capacity, full stop. If someone said, hey, would you be able to help me with this? You could say, look, I don't have capacity this week. If it can wait until mm. Tuesday next week, I'll have some time to get to it then. Otherwise, maybe such and such may be able to assist. Whereas yeah. I'd be inclined to say, sure, a bit busy, but I'll take it on and yeah. then work extra hours that week to try and get it done. Which, yeah. look, sometimes we've got to do that. And, you know, yeah, and I'm I suppose all for it depends hard. on the urgency of the request yeah. as well. But I think there's also something to be said for the fact that you know, something comes in and it is really urgent and maybe it's your manager because, it, look, it's a lot easier to say this to a colleague yeah. than it, or a peer than it is to say to a manager. Yeah, to a degree, if your manager asks you to do you just something, do it you, you just kind of do it. But I suppose if you have, um, if you are struggling for capacity and you've got another of complete competing priorities, maybe it's an opportunity to say, "Yes, I'm happy to pick this up, but I do have a number of things on my plate. Can we maybe have a discussion on how I can best prioritize yeah. these? What can I, you know, if I'm picking this up, that means I'm not going to be able can to get, get to one of, of these three three things. What can wait until next week? Yeah. So I think it's just about having the again the confidence. And, you know, successful women and men aren't afraid to draw those boundaries mm-hmm. and have a, have and make that delineation between being a team, play, team player and when you're being taken advantage of. Yeah. Or your your ability or your your um, openness and willingness to say yes and to be helpful is maybe taken advantage of by some other colleagues who maybe are not as um, diligent or as... Or as being, you know, so much team players or, mm. are, ha- or mm, are just happy and be- happier and better at drawing boundaries mm. it's like a bit like you know i don't default to being the note taker in every meeting or always um ordering the birthday cake or the farewell organizing the christmas party yeah like i think i find i do it i put my hand up yeah sure i'll do that i'll you know you can take notes and i'll so, you know there's a place for that always but 
we don't have to assume that role as the woman in the room, you know. And it's often the same people that do that. Mm. Like there's often the same people who organise the team lunch and and this is women and men, like it's everyone. And I think there are people that's like you did it once four years ago so now you become the default Christmas party organiser. Yeah, so what – but why is so-and-so – why has he never done that, you know, or she never done that? Put your hand up and be a team player, you know. We're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess it's that extra task can add up quickly. And so the more we take on, we have to know when to call it and say, yeah, something has to give. We're at number 10 and this is just like a little bonus because we're like, no, let's talk about this one. This is a tricky one. Yeah, I think we definitely left the juiciest one (laughs) to the end and that is I deserve a pay rise or just asking for one slash bringing it up, you know. Starting the conversation. And, I mean, we, we spoke about how timing is important for this. Like, don't approach your manager out of the blue on a really busy day and just be like, yes, I want to chat to you about a pay rise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's places, where, you know, your one-on-one, your mid-year performance review. Just don't be afraid to bring it up mm. and know your worth. Yep. And the gender pay gap continues to exist. And mm. I know don't there's roll some your people eyes, out here <laughs> who say it doesn't, but it does. And on average, so we're speaking on average, Women earn less than men, and in August for doing the same roles. Also, it's not just yeah. we're in different industries and different roles. It's it's when it comes to those same roles, yeah, performing the same tasks and getting paid less. Yeah, and a lot of organisations now having to report on it. Um, and I think it comes back to that whole point around you know wage transparency is really is not there that, you know, in some organizations mm. where it's governed by, you know, enterprise agreements and different things, you do have a degree of transparency, but in a lot of organizations, particularly private organizations, unless we talk about it openly with each other, which is often a bit taboo, yep. you don't know that the person next to you could be earning 15 grand more than you because they had the courage to ask for it at their yep. last performance review. And people come in at different levels too. I think mm. public services, places, like you said, that are more transparent and you, people kind of know what bands they're on and everything like that. At least you know the range, but sometimes just going in cold and you get asked to name a price at your you know your job offer point without if people aren't talking about it, if mm-hmm. that sort of information isn't out there, we can undersell ourselves as one. We're too scared to ask for what we actually want or what we're actually worth, um, and yeah, it's it's frustrating. And we also don't talk about it with friends, you know, like the whole don't talk about politics and money and religion and stuff at the dinner table or whatever the yeah the rule is I think unless we know you're like oh well we do a similar job and you're getting paid that much I could be asking for that much you know for example like it's something we should get comfortable talking about and challenging yeah and it is really anxiety inducing and it's stressful so I think you do have to pick your moment but especially if you're in a workplace for a really long time there's I think there is a stat out there somewhere around that basically if you if you change jobs every two years for 10 years at the 10 year mark most often you'll end up being paid more than what you were if you stayed at the same organization for that whole 10 years your biggest point of negotiation is the entry point so jumping around jobs you can jump your way up that salary Mm. ladder so much more quickly loyalty isn't rewarded as we know you can go up each year on cpi or whatever but uh and you know sometimes there's that opportunity to have that conversation but often not every year and no. often, oh, we're having a bad year. It's not the time to talk about it. Bring it up next year. <sighs> yeah. But I think you should still be bringing it up because they're certainly not going to. I mean, yeah. For the most part. A yeah. lot of organisations, you know, if you don't ask, like the squeaky wheel gets the oil, isn't that what they say? Mm. So at the when, end of the day, I think putting it on the radar, 
asking for it, knowing your worth. So do some mm. research before you come into that discussion. You know, don't Have go some examples for, to point to. Yeah, and also bring up some of the things. It's similar to what we said before. I'm proud of myself. I've done X, Y, and Z. You know, at the end of the day, we're in a job, we're trading our time for money. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. We might get fulfillment out of it and other things, but at the end of the day, I'm sure a lot of people yep. <laughs> would rather be, if, if money was no object, we'd all rather, I'd much rather be out in, I love my job, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I'd much yeah. rather be in Greece, sunning myself in a sailboat, <sighs> driving around the, Medi- uh, sailing yep. around the Mediterranean 100%. if I had unlimited <laughs> funds than working a nine to five. But so it's not just about money, but it is important for us to say, you know what, actually I, I am bringing a lot to the table. I've, achieved you know a lot this year mm-hmm. i deserve a pay rise can we discuss it That's well maybe it. you don't have to say i deserve but you could say can we discuss my remuneration yeah but also you could say that you know let's say you bring it up but mm. when you're put, when you're putting your case they need to know you think you deserve it and they, they need to know you do deserve it so mm. i mean you can say that um mm-hmm. and what's the worst that can happen they say no and you're where you were before at least they know that you've got aspirations and ambition and you want to climb and you may be not completely content with where you're at because that's important for them to know. Yeah. And they want to retain you. If you're a good employee, they want to keep you. Mm-hmm. And so it's in their interest as well to make sure that you're feeling valued. Yeah. And, you know, our pay is one really big way that we feel valued. If we mm-hmm. don't feel like we're being fairly remunerated for the time and effort and energy we're putting into a role, then – you know, that shows up in how engaged we feel. It shows up in how much effort we want to put into our mm-hmm. and our jobs. So it is an important conversation that we should be having probably on an annual basis mm-hmm. with our employer. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a good list. Good list. I need to start practicing. There's a <laughs> lot there, but I do think I really hope that these last two episodes have been, yeah, just a big, big encouragement and a bit mm-hmm. of an inspiration to all of us to sort of challenge those habits and those those things that show up in our language that maybe don't give off the perception that we are wanting to like mm-hmm. give off to the world and they don't serve us they're not serving us yeah so um but send us your feedback we would love to hear what you think about this do you disagree let us know mm. um are there things we've missed what else should we be practicing what is something you've actively been trying to say or not say um send it in look us up and and give us the feedback yeah maybe we when this episode goes live we might put a little question Yes. up on our Instagram check stories. Our stories. So <laughs> check, have a check on our stories. And we'd love to hear what, um, yeah, what are some of the things that you've, you're trying to implement or maybe that you have implemented as Rach just said. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for listening and for being here once again. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye. The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and of course any First Nations peoples who may be listening today. This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy.